0: Welcome to Lady Bits and Leadership, a brave space where women come together to share stories about our bodies, our sexuality, and motherhood. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Vogel, and my mission in life is helping women feel less alone, process their trauma, and build the lives they desire. So if you're ready to join a community of women who have found their voices, who have become liberated from shame and reclaim their power, then you're in the right place, girl. You found us. We're so happy you're here. Hello, my love. Thank you so much for tuning in this week for Lady Bits and Leadership. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We have a spicy, extra spicy. Put the jalapenos, put the sriracha, put the chili oil on because we are getting hot. We have Dirty Lola in the house and we're talking all things super spicy. You know, Lady Bits and Leadership is a bit spice and it's a bit sweet. It's a bit sweet and spicy. It's like you know, like a spicy orange chicken. It's delicious. Every now and then we like to spice things up. And this week we have Dirty Lola on the podcast. And if you're like, does that name sound familiar? Yes, girl, it does sound familiar. Dirty Lola has been in both Netflix and HBO. She's done amazing things in the world of sex education. She is a self-proclaimed dildo slinger, which literally as soon as I saw that when I was watching a documentary on on Netflix, The Principles of Pleasure, I was like, I need to invite her. So I literally posted on Instagram, I'm going to invite Dirty Lola onto the podcast. And she DM'd me. She's like, cool. When are we going to record? I was like, oh my. That just works to like, is that what the kids call sliding into the DMs? Oh my gosh, the dating world is so wild these days. But for, you know, getting podcast guests, I got to slide into people's DMs. And it's actually really fun because a lot of times people are really kind. And I think you'll find this with Dirty Lola's interview is we're going to be talking about things like doming and subbing so this is a type of kinky play we're going to talk about kink and the spectrum of kink so how to do things outside the quote-unquote norm in your sex life um but i think you'll find there is no norm you create your own norm you create your own script which is literally like all sex educators are like as long as it's consensual and legal Like, go for it. It's going to be awesome. We even talk about pee play. Yes, I'm talking about peeing on people during um, sexual interactions and intimate acts. We talk about ethical non-monogamy and what that means. So for those who might not know, that's the idea of opening up your relationship. You're not monogamous or you don't want to be monogamous or you realize during your marriage relationship that you're like i want to invite more people in how do you do that well lola talks about it in today's episode and if you're talking about doming and subbing she goes into depth about what it was like to be a sub and have a dom a dom that tells her i want you to do this send me naked pictures i want you to get dressed in this i want you to walk around like this And what that meant for both her autonomy as well as her body confidence. And surprisingly, some of you might be like, it went down the drain. No, it did not. It rose to levels like she had never seen before. She is not currently with that dom. She is not in that relationship. But what she took from that relationship was so much love for herself, which I found really, really intriguing. So if any of that sounds exciting to you, definitely tune into this episode. It's a spicy and juicy and sweet and amazing one. All right, without further ado, here's Dirty Lola. But before we start this episode, I have to put a quick plug in for my girl, Kelsey Audison viegas of AutoBooks. Listen, if you're a business owner of a small or large business, you do not have time to be doing your own books. No one has time for QuickBooks except for my girl, Kelsey. So if you wanna be focused on building profits in your business rather than tooling over all this Excel spreadsheets and different queries of QuickBooks, then our girl is for you. You can find out more about Kelsey and her bookkeeping solutions at O-T-T-O-B-O-O-K-S-L-L-C dot com. That's O-T-T-O-B-O-O-K-S-L-L-C dot com. Y'all, I am so excited to have (laughs) Miss Dirty Lola on the podcast today, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for lending your voice. Hi. 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 Thank you for having me on. It's so exciting. And before we hit record, we were talking about how we have the best job in the world talking about sex all the time.
1: Yeah. All the time. It's my life. I mean, and it's, I think when, you know, it's a passion or it's not really a job when doing it, like talking, having it be all parts of your life isn't exhausting. Yes. Yeah. Cause I think about that sometime and I'm like, I don't mind. People are like, oh, I know this is your work. And I'm like, let's do it. I'm here. We're having drinks. Like this is also part of what we're preaching, right? Is that this needs to become part of like the conversation, the ambient conversation that we're having with each other.
0: Yeah. I love that idea of the ambient conversation. I usually say like breakfast topics, like you're having yeah. breakfast and you're just talking about dildos and stuff and it's just normal. And I think that energy that you put out, that I put out, that a lot of us sex educators put out is that normalization and giving permission to, that it's okay. Yeah. Is, we we all fuck around, you know, in our own different ways. We got ways here somehow. We, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. This had to happen in some form for y'all right. to be here who are listening today. And, you know, a big part of Lady Bits and Leadership is helping people unlearn shame. And I think the way you and I approach sex education is making it fun, laughing and playing and just being silly Sometimes, you know, working in the field of um, sexual violence prevention, there is so much sadness. There's so much Mm -hmm. trauma. And a big part of what I hope to do with this show and the work that I do is bringing back the ideas of pleasure, of joy, even after trauma, which so many of us have experienced, right? Especially those who identify as female, non-binary, LGBTQIA, queer. I mean, it's just, it's just rampant. And Mm -hmm. so, and so the opportunity for us to host conversations that bring back those ideas of pleasure and joy is, is the work to me. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. It is. Yeah. So
0: I found out about you through the principles of pleasure on Netflix. Congrats, by the way, just being like streamed globally all over the world. So cool. God, I hope that's just
1: blown up your, you know,
0: your business. Um,
1: All over the world, literally all over the world. I got people. I had people like writing to me from Chile and Russia. And, and like, I had to, I learned I used Google Translate so much because I was getting so many different languages and I, I'm somebody I want to respond in kind and I'm not, you know, so I'm like, it's not hard for me to put it in and then translate. So I would like translate back and then people would be like, oh, do you, I'm like, no, no, I'm using Google Translate. So don't get too excited. I'm not multilingual, but you know, it was, it was bananas how many people and how suddenly It was literally like it aired and in that like the night that it went live, I felt like I was getting just messages upon messages from all over. So yeah, it's been it's quieted down, which is also good, but it was bananas for a while.
0: I bet. And you know, you have been so popular in your realm and we can talk about kind of your history. But you get on Netflix and I don't know if you have any other things lined up or any other shows on these big networks, but like, I have to imagine life gets crazy in a great way and it also gets amazing and it also gets wild in a maybe not so great way. Did you have to deal with haters and people who are just frustrated with, I don't know, an empowered person talking about sex positivity?
1: I didn't from this specific thing I didn't get any hate mail directed which was surprising like I didn't get any it was all very supportive or asking for help and I think that was the hard part was I got so many people asking for help and some of it was easy like a, a friend of mine who does a lot of media stuff she was like listen start compiling every time somebody asks you a question that's like not really hard for you to answer and you so you do it put it in a Google doc and that way, if it gets asked again, you can just copy paste it. So you don't feel bad. Like these little simple, like, where do I get this? Because so many people were like sending me zoomed in pictures of like specific toys that I had on the table. And some of them are like, we ha- we keep like everything that we stop selling or whatever. They don't make anymore. We keep in a big box because we get a lot of movies will ask for props. And so we have like a prop box and that's what yeah. I took with me. And they chose from so many of those things aren't made anymore, or not in that version. So I was just having to like, I'm like, okay, this is still this still exists. This doesn't or this or like, here's where you can get the similar thing. But after I made the spreadsheet, it was much easier. But then I was getting these really in depth, like just meeting so much. And it's like, you don't want to do it. But I'm like, hey, I do consultations. I set up a really like low price sliding scale for folks. I had a few people take advantage of it. I'm sure some people were miffed that I was like, I, you know, this is a lot for me to answer via um, back and forth on Instagram and messages. But if you want to book like a half an hour, I can talk to you. Um, and that was, so th- I think that was hard for me. It was the, like, you can't help everyone. Cause literally it was like hundreds of messages Um, and those you can help and then like trying to navigate away and I think you I also got like just like a flood of people who were like we want to work with you and Mm -hmm. it was like businesses who don't really want to pay you and so it was a lot of me having me like these are my rates and I don't I'm not one of those influencers who are charging like all this money although I have a friend who works for a business. He's like, I need you to be charging more money because it's these true. are the rates we're getting from people. And he's like, I know that's not where you what you what you're doing. And I'm like, I know. I, I, I try to be with 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 corporate businesses. I'm always asking for money because I'm like, I'm be it. <laughs> we and know then for smaller things, yeah, and colleges yeah. and depending on the college or whoever. You know, you I feel like you have to play with your numbers a little bit depending on who's asking you for what, but. That, those were the things it was just a lot of like all at once literally wow. like in my in my inbox and i'm like oh my god having to parse through but no hate for that i've gotten because since then i've done well the thing for h i did a thing for hbo that's called the sex diaries okay yeah, the sex so the, diaries is that out already diaries. that's out and so that hasn't gotten as much thing but i think it's because it was more of a docu-series and it's you're you're learning about my life my like sex life basically. And so I've gotten some people who say like, I saw you, Um, a lot of like support from like other fluffy girls, other big girls who were just like, Oh my God, you were just, you were on TV naked. Like that was so like, I can't, you know, like just having these kinds of like, I'm speechless Mm -hmm. and thank you. And a friend of mine, his sister, he, we went to brunch and um, he was like, she wanted to come today and she couldn't. And she just, she begged me to tell you like how much she loves you and that you made her feel so beautiful just because of you being a big girl on TV, big black woman showing her body without, and with so much confidence. And so those, those have been lovely things. I'm sure somewhere in some Reddit thread, there's somebody being mean about it that I don't choose to seek out. No. Um, it's you know? just
0: amazing that it's most has been positive. And so yeah. that, that yeah. makes me hopeful for the future. But I think it's also the energy that you put out, you know, it's that it really is just an, with sex is just something that's fun to talk about. So anyone yeah. who's, who's a hater may Either may is not watching it or they're like, I can't ruin this. <laughs> this person's right. energy. This is fantastic. Right. And you know, on the topic of like charging for your services, it's absolutely right. Like you're an expert. You're now, you know, expert on a different level. And as a, yeah. as a somewhat new business owner, that is the toughest part, you know, especially mm-hmm. those who identify female identified folks really struggle with this, like putting a price on your on your value and your worth,
1: and right. it's there on is your a, time
0: and on your time, which is so yeah. limited, you know, it's so limited, and so that I'm glad that you're like for colleges and universities and corporations are like, listen, I know yeah. you got thousands in there, yeah. okay, and I'm yeah. worth it, um, and you know, for every for every person that you weren't able to maybe answer or get to you have spread so much awareness. You have spread so much information. And that example that you just shared of the representation of you being bold enough to be on naked, talking about your most intimate parts on HBO, yet another like huge network, again, gives a woman permission who looks like you, who identifies with some element of you to step into her sexual power. Yeah. And that is, I mean, it literally made me tear up. I'm, I'm, I'm a crier. I'm one of those, like, when I get excited, it just, like, pours out of my yeah. face. <laughs> um, because I just received a message yesterday from a girlfriend of mine who um, went through breast cancer and, like, her entire body changed. And she lost her breast due to it, right? Yeah. And she just did a photo campaign with her beautiful tiny titties and her beautiful belly that's birthed two babies, you know, full of stretch marks yeah. and just lived in her sexy essence and watching her kind of go along the journey with me and and having these conversations with her and watching her go on a campaign for this. I think it's a bikini line that she's, um, mm. that she, you know, a bikini, which so many yeah. of us are like either can't find a bikini that fits right or it makes us feel a certain way about our body, which is generally negative. Right. Watching her step into her power is like, to me, this lib- is liberation work. I mean, sex yeah. work, sex education is liberation work. We're helping to liberate not just female identified folks, but again, people of all different genders and sexualities. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, very it flips exciting. the script. It's, it shows, I mean, everybody's like, oh, what does that do? And I'm like, well, when you, if you only see one type of, person or body yeah. type and you in, in these kinds of things, it's being held up in a certain way. And so it's like, what's neat, what you should try to attain or what's unattainable. And then when you start putting other people's bodies, you help people go one, if this person can be on TV or in this ad and not just one, like we're seeing so much more of this, right. If somebody can be on and just be themselves, maybe my, my, like my the way I think about beauty needs to change and even me like you know I'm always dealing with my own demons and like what I deem what what I feel is beautiful and what I what and challenging like when my brain goes to that place immediately of like mm, I'm always like why are you why do you feel that way and why do you not think this is beautiful and like you know there's you have to like keep questioning that stuff because it's like what have you been fed your whole life and if you keep believing that and you believe that about other people then you believe that about yourself and it's like it's just it's just dominoes that fall in the wrong places so when the more we get stuff like that I think it just helps people see the different types of beauty and that there's not just one type of beauty and there's so many ways for us to find beauty in ourselves and each other and I talk about all the time people are like body positivity and I'm like I'm very I'm trying to be body neutral but mm-hmm. I'm trying to not be mean like that's the rule these days is we can't be mean I can't call myself ugly I can't you know I'm allowed to call myself fat because it's a body shape because I'm like we're, we don't use it as a slur yes. but it's a body shape like yes. skinny is a body type like I'm an apple. I'm a, you know, and I say <laughs> fat because I, I am fat. I'm not going to yeah. try to, you know, but it's. I can't be mean and cruel to myself. I could not say anything nice that I can't say anything mean, and and I'm allowed, and I allow myself to have those days where I don't feel the best in my body, and I'm not trying to like beat myself up when I have those days, but I keep reminding myself of like, look at all these people that you. I mean, one, all these people you have sex with, like, if if that is a measure of anything, the amount of people who constantly enjoy your, like, tell you how much they like touching you, tell you how much Mm. they like looking at you, how much they enjoy your body, and are you arguing with those people about, like, that, you know, I, I kind of, I lean on that sometimes when I need to, and I'm like, you're right, you're right, self, like, these are the things. And it helps. It helps a, a lot. And I have a lot more days where I just feel I'm really pretty in my body. And, you know, it's it's an ongoing thing, but you want more days where you're not battling that demon, you know.
0: Yeah. It's, it has been so interesting as someone who's lived in a body that's kind of fluctuated mostly between if we're going to put a size on it, like 14 to 18. Now I'm Mm -hmm. an 18, you know, my body's changed after having a kid, my body's changed. I'm 36 now, like things are changing. And it is so amazing to me how many people continue to say, if I'm at this size, like I will suddenly feel better. And the reality is like when I was at a size 10, like my lowest, I still felt you know, fat in the in the derogatory term, right? Yeah. And so it's like there's a there's that saying like I wish I was as skinny as I was when I felt like I was fat, but it's oh it God. is such yeah. a realization when you get to a point in your life and you've done the work, whether it's through therapy or research or or seeing representation like you and like me, mm-hmm. where you're like, oh I've been fed a bunch of bullshit. You know? Yeah. I've been fed bullshit. Uh. And once you know that you're strategically fed that, then it's like, okay, well, then I'm coming from now I'm on the offensive, and now I'm offensive, meaning like I can start to make change in the way right. that I view myself because
1: I have yeah. that power. Yeah. I look back at pictures from high school and I'm like, I hated myself. And I was a through because I had a, like an eating disorder that I that didn't and I didn't tell anybody and it did and thankfully I worked my way out of it on my own in whatever way which is not a usual thing people can do but yeah. I was as small as a, I had gotten down to a 14 and I thought I was so fat and I remember viscerally feel, feeling fat and not thin enough and and it was hard in a size 14 to find clothes to find and I've always had boobs like it was so even going shopping made me feel fat because I couldn't find like now I'm like the 14 year old me would have had a ball and would have been able to dress
0: I know however
1: she wanted but at 14 I was having to shop in like the women's section and make it work or buy men's like I was I wore wide legs because it was that time Um, And I wore like I wore boy pants because the girl pants didn't go up to like a a 14, 16 was not a thing you could find in like that style. And I even looking back to my like late 20s, 30s, I was still like hovering around like a 16, 16, like 18 and felt huge. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I lost a whole bunch of weight. And I think the thing that snapped for me was I lost like 50 pounds in like two months. And I worked so hard because we were going on vacation. And I remember I chanted to myself, I'm not going on vacation like this to get down. But I was literally waking up at like five in the morning, going to the gym for a half hour, going home, getting ready for work, going to work. And I had workout. I had weights under my desk. I would do squats and lunges on the way to the printer. Like I was working out all day going home, working out, having dinner, going for a walk. I did that for like two months. That's not sustainable. It is ridiculous. And on top of it, I was on some weird diet where I, that convinced me I to not eat salt. And so I fainted one day because my blood pressure was like super low because I don't have, I don't need to cut salt out. I don't have high blood pressure, <laughs> yeah. right? And it was like, well, you're fat because you eat too much salt. So I'm like on a low sodium diet for no reason a low everything and I fainted and I was like, Oh, and now I look back and I'm like, it's not worth being that thin. If my, my body needs me to do that much to be that mm-hmm. thin, I don't want it. I'm willing to do whatever I need to like, keep my heart in good shape, keep my body in good shape. But I, it's not worth it. It's just, I don't, and I don't know I have time <laughs> to do all of that. And I think the core is it's not worth
0: it because I don't need to do this to be worthy
1: right you know and so and I, think, I don't I don't need to look like that right like yeah I, and thank, I can look like this and be fine yeah yes
0: beautiful and thank god at least some of the clothing providers have caught up right like we still yeah. don't have like size of, you know I'm in Hawaii so we don't like I grew up on the north shore of Oahu it's like surf capital of the United States, Mm -hmm. if not the world. And I remember going to the outlet malls to Big Dog, I don't even know if Big Dog's still around, and getting those shorts that like had, because nothing fit me in the surfing world, still, they're still struggling to get, you know, more body shapes and sizes honored in the surfing community. And, and, being in a part in a world that didn't actually provide clothes for a person my size when I was perfectly right. healthy at a size 14 you know right. it was just ludicrous when you look back at it but that is that is just one example of so many ways in which we're told our bodies are deemed less worthy and so mm-hmm. for for those who are listening who are like okay so how did you get from like how did you get to a point when you're a big, fluffy black woman, probably sitting on multiple faces a day, like not a day. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm like getting you real sad. Man, I wish. Multiple, I wish. Like multiple faces a year. <laughs> I'm not going to make any joke. <laughs> I, I wish a day. That would be amazing. Would be- <laughs> okay. We're putting it out in the universe, you know, to the point, cause like that is something that is like the most vulnerable, I think for a lot of people, right? is right. even turning on the lights. I've met p- so many people that like struggle with even turning on the lights when they're having sex with a partner who says like, you have partners who tell you you're so beautiful. I love touching your body. I love licking your body. Like I love all the things. For so many women, they struggle still with being that vulnerable with a partner that they love, that maybe they're yeah. married to or been together. So what have been either the books you've read, the practices you've done to get to the point where you are so comfortable. And if you get those moments of like, ah, negative thoughts are coming in, you have the ability to say thank you, but no, thank you. So what were those strategies that you implemented that maybe someone listening could say,
1: okay, I'm going to do this today? I surrounded myself and I have wonderful friends that I have um, especially the gays who will tell you to shut the fuck up if you're negative and like I have one particular friend who I remember who would just like shake me <laughs> he's like you say that you know it was and it was almost like we would laugh but he was really like you gotta stop that or when somebody told you you're pretty don't like shut that like I say thank you now like I'm like oh thank you Um, and you know, and when I'm being sassy, I say, I know, uh, you know, but I think it was having people who didn't let me do that in front of them. So Mm. it kind of, and and would all keep reinforcing just in different ways. Like not, it wasn't like we were sitting in beautiful, we would go shopping and like, you, you have, you need a hype, you need hype people, Mm -hmm. you know, you go try on outfits and you need somebody who's like, Oh man. Like maybe not those pants and like, who can be honest? I think having honest people who are like, do you even like the way you feel in those? How about we try like this on, or how about you go up a size up? Like, I know that's making you cringe, but honestly, like you wear this size and we all have to understand clothing is not the same across the board. Like Mm -hmm. that's also a thing. So just having hype people who are always like, that's the thing, oh, you look good in that. Always, because sometimes you need that exterior voice. I know everybody wants us to do it on our own. And people tell you you can't, you know, expect other people. But I think we really do when when your brain is a bad neighborhood, you have to look for, like, external forces. And it's not, don't seek it out from strangers and people you don't know and just randos on the Internet because that's dangerous, especially these days. Dangerous and like, for your mental health because people Mm -hmm. are can be a mess. But just people in your life who, you know, support you, like like just lean into that, that what you're getting. And I think as I got older and, um and I was in like for a while, I wasn't in a monogamous relationship with my ex-husband. And I think just being with somebody that no matter, well, I think later on he started having issues because as I got confident and I was just like, I kind of don't need your approval now. Cause I would I did change things because I wanted to be more feminine. I was very much a tomboy. And so I'm not I'm not pushing that up. But I think kind of being in a state of I needed like the little bit of the people pleasing because this man thought I was sexy and I was running around in like wide legs and boxer shorts and he was like, Hey, I would love it if you would sometimes wear like these panties. And I wasn't and I the reason I was being a tomboy is because I didn't feel like I could wear. The pretty lacy panties, or the it wasn't necessary. Like part of it was fashion, but part of it was like none of this stuff was ever. I didn't feel entitled to it. I always felt like that's not for my fat ass. Like I'm not gonna do this. And mm. um, struggling to find things I felt pretty in, and that was like lingerie and stuff. And I guess I came up at a time when like brands like Old Navy were starting to make things in a in bigger sizes that like, was still affordable and, and where you could like, okay, I can go throw 30 bucks at this thing and if I hate it, whatever. And yeah. I think beginning to find stuff that was against, because I never, this was not me until I was well into my 20s. I didn't start wearing makeup until I was in my like, right, like maybe like 23, 24. I didn't wear dresses for years. I didn't wear dresses until I was in my like mid 20s. Um, because be- and a lot of it was because I just never felt like I looked good in any of it so I think it was the wanting to please him made me step out of my comfort zone and start mm-hmm. looking for those things and then I was like oh I, I do look pretty in this dress that I felt like years ago I would have scoffed at because I was like they're not it's not going to look nice on me or I'm too fat to wear this or my arms don't look good And I just never gave it a chance and like giving it a chance because I was, it wasn't for me, it was kind of stepping out. But then I realized like how much, oh, I like the way I look, I'm enjoying this. Mm -hmm. And then it helped, that helped me kind of get on that train of like, oh, I, if I know what I look good in and I can find it, then I can lean on that. And it's not about like, maybe I'm not going to look great in that, you know, silk, uh, strappy, You know dress the thing that I would want to wear from the 90s like Courtney Love but I'm gonna look (laughs) great in this other thing and and it fits my body and I'm like I look amazing that was helpful and then I think the biggest hurdle the biggest thing for me was when I started um, experimenting with BDSM and I had Mm. my very first dom he required, um, which we agreed to, like, I was people was like, what? But he had like, he wanted pictures. So the day it would be like the outfit of the day, but the nude of the day. So every morning I had to send a nude mm. and then my outfit of the day. Right. The first time I sent him, it took me, I almost missed my deadline. I was crying. I did not want to send this man a full nude because it was like, you know, when we do things for the internet, we pose, you do like things But he wanted like a head on nude in a mirror. And at that point, I still wasn't looking myself in the eye. Like I would get dressed. Yeah. Yeah, I would get dressed and be like, that's a nice dress. Okay. And I couldn't look myself in the eye when I was naked. And I was, wow, what was that? Maybe 24, 24 going on 25, somewhere in that. Was this post marriage? This is, it, it was like, Right after we got married, so I was probably twenty-five, going into twenty-six. Mm-hmm. So I'm heading into my thirties, mm-hmm. finally realizing I'm not where I'm not a monogamous person. I wasn't monogamous before we met, but I met him when I was really young. I met him when I was 19, mm-hmm. and we started dating when I was 20, and we got divorced when I was 37. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So he was, you know, um, I this was when I was really, like, oh, I'm kinky. Oh, I don't think monogamy. But I want to still be married to you. So a lot was happening. Yeah. And I still couldn't look at myself in the eye. Like I couldn't even make eye contact for too long with myself if I was naked. And I have to send this man and I had to look in the mirror. That was the other rule too. You have to look, he was like, You have to look at yourself. And mm. in the first picture he gets, I'm you could tell I've been crying. I'm my I I just I was defeated.
0: Oh my gosh. And he's
1: like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I just don't want you to see me like this. Like I, I like this. And he goes, see what like this body that like, is the reason I'm attracted to you and why I want to be helping you on this journey. And I'm excited to be your dom. He's like, are you telling me that I'm wrong? And this person that's now in charge of you is in some fashion. And you're like, uh, <laughs> um, uh no. And he's like, do you think I'm lying to you when I tell you that I think you're beautiful? And I'm like, he's like you do don't you and I got I got in trouble I had to write lines for that but he's like I'm not I would never lie to you I'm not going to lie to you and I would never say something I didn't mean and we that relationship went on for maybe like a year and a half two years and we amicably parted ways it was just because it was Mm -hmm. long distance and we he asked his final ask was like I would love a final good morning like picture of the nude picture of the day in your outfit of the day. And then he sent back, he was like, I want you to see something. And he sent me the first picture he ever sent me, juxtaposed with the last picture I ever sent him. Oh, wow. He's like, these are two different people and your body is exactly the same. And the first one I'm like hunched over, I'm crying, I'm a mess. The second one, my hips cocked, I got my hands on my hips, I'm smiling my shoulders are back. I'm happy. And he's like, look at these people. Like you were, these are two different people. And over that time, because of how much I had to look at myself, but also started looking at myself through his eyes of, I can't, I I have to be the wrong one here. Like I Mm -hmm. have to, if if he's not going to lie to me, who's lying to me? It's got to be up here. (laughs) And and I and I think there's something in having to view yourself in that way, stripped down on a daily basis, and you can't hide behind anything. And and having someone just even a little bit like worship you or like look at yeah. you today, and having that happen mm-hmm. for two, like it was a gift that. Yeah. And I even my and my husband was like you know he was like you are like he's like i i feel like you're taking my compliments more like you, like you believe me now and i'm like well if you know cuz you always he would say a joke and say like oh well, you never believe me and i'm like you're my husband though like you you don't want to be in trouble so i hear that a lot it, it's harder for me to believe you because if you tell me yes <laughs> that, that this is going to be a fight this man doesn't live here he has no stake in the game if he tells me some you know what i mean um and so it's and and it just it made it easier but it helped me see what i wasn't seeing it helped me start viewing things and i started also doing for my own self a part of the mirror kind of the mirror exercise that they talk about in mm-hmm. the principles of pleasure it wasn't exactly that and i i don't don't think that i had I'm not saying I made this up, but I think it was something I started telling myself is every day you have to find something you like about yourself in the mirror and you have to like say it out loud. So sometimes it would be like, man, my legs really good. Mm-hmm. Wow. Look at my legs. And I would just like hone in on that. And I would like, look, look at that. Or it'd be like, man, you're, look at your ass. You've been doing squats and your ass is looking nice. And And like, oh, and then it was stuff like, man, my belly looks so cute today. Mm -hmm. Look at this. And these panties, like, oh. And just some days it would be framing something that you normally would hate about yourself, but you're like, man, and these little short shorts and this top, and my belly's just looking real cute. And I could, like, oh, I can't like this sometimes, and sometimes I hate it, but I can say nice things. About it, and then the days I couldn't, I'd be like, You know, your hair looks really nice, or your nails, you know, it's like that one, it's got to be something, something, my toes, something. And I, it just helped kind of breaking me down into pieces, and for myself, instead of always trying to take the whole package. And when you're and when you keep saying to yourself, Like, there's this thing, man, my ankles look at these fucking ankles today I'm <laughs> like for me my ankle i i like hurt myself years ago i have like a squirt injury so my ankles swell when it's high. it's like a whole thing so <laughs> when my ankles are not swollen and they look dainty like i will lay in bed and just like hold my foot up i'm like just adore yourself yeah i'll put on shoes like man it's a, a cute shoe day so those are the kinds of yeah. things i've done and i've and i've kept that up like even lockdown was great for me in that sense that I was kind of locked in with myself and I was playing dress up and Mm. just doing things and I gained weight during the lockdown like everybody and that was hard because putting on real pants and realizing oh they don't fit because that was the point what are real pants anymore you know things with buttons (laughs) I just all my
0: jeans are jeggings (laughs) I used to be like I would never wear that
1: now I'm just like, you know, i them right up
0: with uh-huh. that band that just like kind of tucks it all in.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, but gaining weight in my, and I'm 41 now. So gaining weight now, not that I'm like, mm, we're going to work on it because I know why gained. I hurt myself. It was a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, And like for aging sake, as my doctor puts it, she's like, listen, I'm not telling you to be thin. She's like, I'm just saying like lose 20 pounds. Cause it'll make it easier for you as you age and load bearing bodies and things. She's like, I'm not saying be skinny. She's like, just, you know, you don't want to keep going up as you age. It makes it harder because you are, you know, your body is less strong and all these things. She's like, and work on your strength. I love my doctor cause we talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. But now I was just like, okay, well, while I work on this as now I I've gotten my, my knee is better. I've re-strengthened it. I could start walking again and doing the stuff I couldn't do, but I'm going to buy bigger pants because fuck this. I'm throwing away these other pants that don't fit. Yes. So I just bought new jeans that look great on me. That aren't squeezing a life out of me. And I donated like all a bunch of clothes that didn't fit anymore. And I bought new clothes that fit. And I'm, cause I'm like, I deserve to feel good and look cute While I'm reshaping myself, whatever and whatever that looks like. So, you know, like I'm not trying to be because I really like part of that liberation. I don't I don't think you should. There's like I need to be skinny, but it's like I for my I don't. And I also am somebody who's not like, oh, just because you're fat, you have diabetes. Me and my doctor have had to have that talk. I was like, man, it runs in my family. I'm going to get it even if I'm skinny, Mm -hmm. like it's coming for me. And she's like, you're right. We might be able to stave it off until you're 60, though, if you lose leg. I was like, okay. So, having that helpful conversation, and because I have my knees been fucked up, like, I'm like, okay, this is more about, she's like, just start strength training. Don't even worry about losing. Like, we're not dieting. She's like, get movement back in your life and we'll see what happens. And she's like, you're probably going to end up where you want to end up just because you start moving again. And having that real conversation about like not being ashamed because that's a fat person who feels like I'm fine fat, but having to think about like my health in the long run and like, okay, it becomes like, I know my the number I'm at is not a horrible number, but I can't get higher than this. Like we need to plat we need to plateau girl or we need to go to, you know? Yeah. And I think that's part of a healthy attitude too, right? Like. I've had those moments when I've been um, like, maybe I'm going to do some fucked up crash diet. And then I'm in the middle of the night when you're watching infomercials or f- scrolling through your phone. And there's so many of these shitty I like know. crash diet type things or like that book that you can go on and you start doing it or whatever. It's like supposed to be a workbook. And I'm just like, no, because why are you, you why are you, do, you haven't even started your movement yet. Like you just got strong enough again to start walking upstairs. Like, how about we give our ourselves a chance before we start going into the doomsday? We don't need to be there yet. And also that's not healthy. That doesn't help. And we're just gonna yo-yo back up because that's what I've done all my life is I've gone down and yo-yo back up because it wasn't sustainable. So it's having that real conversation with myself it has been so much easier now because I'm like, I'm attractive. Whether I'm this big or whether I'm small, I'm gonna make sure I feel comfortable in my clothes because feeling uncomfortable makes you feel wearing tight pants just makes you feel fat. Buy the bigger fucking pants. Buy fat in a derogatory way. It makes you feel so just you wanna be comfortable. And you can be comfortable and still work on yourself in a way that you wanna work on yourself. But the goal should never be thinness. It should be comfort in your body strength i want to be strong yeah. i miss i can i used to be able to lift so much yeah
0: <laughs> i was I, a strong
1: bitch yeah <laughs> the, like,
0: oh god there's so many great nuggets that you just provided for listeners about i mean there's so many different actions that you can take so many but surrounding yourself with people that hype you up whether it be a empowered doctor who's going to be real with you and you're going to be real with them. But if you hadn't done maybe the mirror work with your dom and literally became a different person due to taking selfies, due to taking mirror photos every single day or at least most days in that year and a half, you may not have had the courage to stand up to your doctor, you know? Yeah. And I think that what I try to impart on the folks that listen to my podcast, those that I speak with, is that sex sexuality or sexual beings is often like relegated as like that'll come later or it's not that important and I'm like it's everything Mm -hmm. the way that you look at your body especially your naked body completely vulnerable to the world when you can look at her and be like damn bitch you look amazing
1: Yeah.
0: How do you think that's going to translate to the rest of your life? So everyone wants, you know, like we need more women leaders in the world. We need more queer leaders in the world. We need more diverse leaders in the world. And that starts by merely looking in the mirror, Mm -hmm. hyping yourself up, and surrounding yourself with a hype squad. You know. Yeah. And I and having
1: those people you look up to, right? That are there's. I, I I always say to people, like, would you say this? to xyz like whoever is like a bigger body person or somebody that looks like you or embodies something that you connect with would you say these mean things to that person and you would never you would never like or would we say these things to Lizzo first of all Lizzo would slap us so no but we would never and like I love Lizzo like Lizzo has just been such an inspiration of somebody who is clear. this woman works her ass off it still lives in a big body, which is proof that you can be doing everything multiple night and still be, because it's a body type. We are, we, it's, the, it's how we're shaped. It's the way the women in my family are shaped. Like this is, we just have big bodies. Nobody is thin in my family. <laughs> it's not, it's just not how it works. So we have to like, know, you have to be like, yeah, okay. So this is my body. How do I keep it healthy? And she's been somebody who I've just been marveling at. Because I know she busts her ass. I've seen her perform. That That is not somebody who's lazy or not doing what they need to do. And that she can still sing after doing all that choreography. Uh-huh. I mean, she's in the gym working on her cardio because that's breathing. And so you can still have fitness and and fatness in the same box and take care of yourself. And all of that, like you said, it translates to like feeling sexy like I miss feeling strong because I remember I would feel hot when I could I got it and just pick up something at me walk away (laughs) yes I I can move this couch by
0: myself I got got it there is a sexuality in that because I think innately sex and power are combined right I mean I think when I went to college and for the first time in my life like had men desiring me For me, when I started experimenting with sex, there was a power of like, I would look around and be like, I can attract any of these guys or girls that I was interested in. And we could go have great sex. And then I just walk Mm -hmm. away. There was no walk of shame. It was a walk of like, I just had really great sex and someone really desired my body. And for so, for the first literally my entire life, it was not that feeling at all. And so yeah. it was a, I've always been intrigued by the feeling of, by some of these um dichotomies that exist within the empowerment space, especially as it relates to body and sex. It's like, you were saying earlier that sometimes getting that external validation builds the internal validation, which, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think a lot of self-help books are like, you got this, you can do it. You can change your mindset, which is true. And right. there is a place for sometimes being. You know, if we're talking about sexual empowerment, sometimes the other person, if they are a healthy relationship to be in, yes, they will add to that validation that sometimes yeah. you don't innately have yet, but you're building. And so I would yeah. love I would love to talk to you more about the dom situation because mm-hmm. we haven't really explored BDSM <clears throat> yet on on the pod. And it sounds like you have extensive work in it um, or extensive experiences, let's just say. And um, and I think that there's a ton of misconceptions around DOMs mm-hmm. and subs. And so if yep. you can kind of walk us through, how did you get into that space? How did you get the confidence to get in there? Or um, And then once you were in there, what were some things that surprised you about the DOM sub relationship and just being in the kink BDSM
1: community? Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, I think I would always, you you know, we know what kink is because it's just like ambient and movies and things growing up and, you know, there's always like the tongue in cheek stuff and it's like, handcuffs and whips and whatnot. But what, when I think I realized that I might be submissive, I was reading erotica and always things that involve that kind of dynamic and being the submissive. Turned me on. The things that didn't turn me on about submissiveness was like a lot of things are written in a way where the sub has like, it doesn't feel like so much autonomy or is always put below, right? While I get that some people's journey and what they want, it was that was the one thing that always tripped me up. And then when I met my first Dom. And a lot of the way he explained things to me, he's like, everything at the end of the day, we don't do anything that you don't enjoy. And we talked about it. And he's like, I'm going to push you though. So like, if I know that the end the end product is going to be something you like, but you may not enjoy the road to it, I'm going to push because I know where we're going and you don't. And that's okay. Cause this is, you know, what we're, this is the dynamic is trust, right? That we're getting to a place. And that was partly because I've had people ask, well, like, well, if you have autonomy, why did you do the pictures? And it's because like, he had a plan. He knew what he was doing. Like he knew I had a, a self-esteem problem. He could tell that I had it. And so this was a thing that was him helping and pushing me along, even though in the beginning I hated it, he kept pushing because he knew we would get somewhere good. Uh, And I think that's one of the misconceptions people think that it's always about like the Dom's pleasure. And it is, but a lot of the Dom's pleasure is the Sub's pleasure. And that's why everybody says, really the Sub is in charge because if you really aren't enjoying it, in a good dynamic, in a healthy dynamic, I think. Yeah. Then they're not enjoying it. And part of it, being a submissive is you want your dom to be happy. So it's this symbiotic relationship where sometimes maybe as a submissive, you're not doing something that's like your top tier favorite thing, but you enjoy it so much because it's with this person and you're willing to do this thing with this person. And this person is doing things to like it again, the circle of things. Um so I got into it that like I found him on Twitter. Like we were chatting. He I was tweeting about things and about the things I was reading and kind of out loud talking about fantasies I was having. And he found me that way and we started talking. Um, actually, that's where a lot of my dogs came from. Was, was Twitter? Twitter. <laughs> and, and like that life. Um, and so like I getting into it was really about like I learned good what a good Dom was and for me, and what a bad Dom was. And also people have different styles of doing things. And I'm not into the like, you must respect all men because they're dominant. If they're dominant or what I'm like, nah, you have to earn this. And that took me a while, right? Because when you get into it, a lot of people have, there's a very, um, this is how it is. And like, there's one path, which is so not true. It's bullshit. There's like so many paths. There's so many levels. There are people who do this twenty four seven. There are people who just do it in the bedroom. There's people who do a mix of it. There's people who have like an ongoing dynamic, and they shift with it. And it took me a while, I think, to one figure out what I wanted for myself, and and think into myself as the kind of submissive that I am, but also find the right people to interact with that. Mm-hmm. And it's been because I am a very powerful like. Person who puts out a lot of energy, and a lot of times people think I'm dom, and I get a lot of requests and people who want me to like dominate. And I'm like, I'm not sorry because <laughs> I don't, and I don't enjoy it. I'm like, I like doing it for money because my goal is money, not your happiness, and so I can do <laughs> things for money. I love doming for money. I like spanking people and impact play and things like that because mm. I'm a brat, and so I like hitting people. <laughs> I like being, you know, there's things I like that I can do to top people. And I have found other situations where I've enjoyed talking somebody because it wasn't about being in charge of them. It was just about being the more powerful person in the moment, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like. But I think that was the thing that was surprising for me was how many people are so stuck in that it has to be one certain way in kink. And then there's and, you, and to, you have to kind of get through those people. You have to, because they'll tell you, like, you're not a real submissive, or you're not this, or you don't like, you don't deserve to be to who this have the things you have, but you're not. You know, I still, and I've still gotten that from some men who are, oh, you're not a real submissive. I'm like, hey, I'm in my day to day life, unless you're paying my bills and helping, like, unless you're driving me everywhere I need to go and paying my bills and taking care of me in that way you don't get to say anything to me until I'm in submissive mode. Like you don't get to tell me what I have to do with my schedule or because you're not helping, like, where's the support in that? Like, where are you supporting me in my life for me to be able to have give you that kind of submissiveness you want? And I think that's a key thing that a lot of doms who are cis men struggle with is like, they want you to be on their time or their schedule. You should shape them around. I'm like, "Mm -mm. I'm, I'm a businesswoman. I run my shit and I, I put work is my top tier because I work for myself. So it has to be, and nobody else is supporting me. If you yeah. want to take over some of that, sure. I can we can renegotiate in the
0: terms. <laughs> yeah. My New make... York rent.
1: <laughs> or, you know, like my current partner, we have a bit of a dynamic and, and a lot of it, he's like, he knows he's, he knows how to take care. Like he domed me in a sense of like, if we we're together, he lives in California. So we don't, we see each other, but not all the time. He will constantly just put water in front of me because I am horrible at hydrating, and he'll be like, "Drink it," and I'm like, "I don't want to." He's like, "Drink the water." Like, <laughs> okay, and he'll just keep. He's like, "Here's a snack," and I'm like, "I don't want it. He's like, "You haven't eaten in three hours. Like it's been too. Long. He's like, I know your blood sugar dropping, and you're ignoring it, and you probably have to pee too." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Take a break. Go to you know." And that because supporting right, but it's also. Part of being that kind of dominant is like the taking care of you so that you can be around for the pleasurable, more pleasurable parts of things. And I've had to like, oh, yeah, it's letting go of that control of like, I always have to take care of myself. So when I'm with him, I know I don't have to do that. If you're not supplying me with that, I'm not giving that to you. And I've and I've learned like people have to earn your submission. This is not a thing you just mm. get. Um, I have to respect you. I have to. You know, are you really good at this? And just because you say you're dominant, like, do I, there's, it's a feeling, it's a vibe. And people have their different ways of doing things, right? Like there, there's some men in my life who, when they're around, I'm just like, yes, because of the air they put out. And it's not, they're not just trying to make you do stuff and they're not being assholes. They're just very firm and, hey, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'm in let's do it. Ooh, and there's some yummy. super caring, you know, like those daddy doms who are like, Hey, I know you need to close your laptop and you need to like go lay down. You're going to take a nap or you're going to do. And I will fight because I'm like, I have the, he's like, you were falling asleep while you're typing this thing that you're typing. I've watched you nod off. You're taking a nap. I'm going to wake you up in a half hour. You're going to have a snack and you can start working again. That and people are like, is that dumb? I'm like, it is when you don't, do it for yourself and when you're fighting it and when they know it's what you need. And like, if I were home alone, I would just be working all day and exhausted and not taking care of myself. So having somebody go, you have to stop. Yeah. We're eating dinner now, or here's I'm putting lunch on the table in 20 minutes. So save what you got to save because in 20 minutes we're eating. That's like a type of dominance that I, and it's like respect of, cause I wouldn't normally let people tell me what to fucking do. <laughs>
0: I bet there's going to be some listeners who are like, am I in a dom-sub relationship right now that have never never categorized it, you know? But I think at the core of what you're saying is that there's always a choice and it's always about a mutual pleasure, right? And everyone approaches sex so differently and everyone has their own... Uh, history and desires and kinks that they bring that opening up the dialogue is going to be incredibly important whether you're Uh. in a dom sub relationship or a relationship you've been in for a long time and you might be thinking like it's time to mix it up like I'm not super satisfied and that is so hard for people to do yes again going back to like the mirror work and getting the inner confidence would there be any other like thoughts that you could provide to those folks who are like, how the fuck do I even start this conversation? Yeah.
1: If you are, I I tell folk people hate this, but I'm like, there's so many books mm-hmm. out in the love world. Books. Yeah, well, and I think books provide a really good launch pad. So if yes. you are curious, but you're not ready to like go to an event or or you just don't know, maybe because I also tell people before you talk to your partner. You want to have some structure to what you're giving them, right? And if you don't know, if you're just like, I think I'm kinky and I don't know what this means, they're going to panic because they're like, what does this mean? And you don't have answers. You want to have some, you don't have to have all the answers, but you want to say, I want to explore this with you. This is kind of what I'm looking at. And if you don't have the language, it's a little harder. So if you are curious, getting a book that you can read through maybe your partner sees you reading it and it goes oh what is this about and it, that could help start the conversation but i think it also gives you language and helps you kind of form a little bit more of your thinking around what you might be feeling so i you know there's the bottoming book which i read when i was really like am i and that's a, it's just a great book and it's not just about submissive, being a submissive it's about being a bottom like not being the one in charge but what all these things mean and there's lots of great terms There's the ultimate guide to kink. And that's just got any term, anything that you're, you know, not sure you can thumb through it and find it and think, and like, Ooh, this might be intriguing. That might not be great, but just, it just gives you a foundation to build upon. And then from there, I love if you can find a kink conference. I don't know what's around anymore because everybody kind of like, if they didn't disband the cause for a while, um, But there's like a lot of different conferences all around the country that go on. So like different different parts of the country have their own little Mm kind of their different things. But those can be great because they can be one, they usually have like talks, um, speakers coming in and speaking on topics. So sometimes it's more about ideas and and issues within the communities, and sometimes it's about skills. So it might be about flogging or candle play or electric Mm. play. And it may not be something you're necessarily into, but going and seeing and hearing people talk, looking, being able to see protocol and see people interact with one another. Um, And a lot of times they'll have like a dungeon night or something where it's almost like a fair, but for kinky people. So you can go around to different tables and try things out. And I like it in those settings because there is always like they have dungeon monitors. They have people who know what to look for, who will come over like the first time I did needles, I was at a, little, a kink conference and the dungeon was kind of empty and my friends were doing other things. And this so guy was like, Oh, are you interested in needles? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, I'm like kind of curious. And he was like, yeah, let me get the DM. So this other person who's in charge of the space comes over, make sure his kit is good. They make sure he had all the safety stuff in place. He had a conversation with me. He's like, is there anything about your body I need to know? And I said, Hey, when I experience pain, I get really high, like I'm on drugs, like I'm on ecstasy. And it impedes my ability to tell you to stop. I won't tell you to stop because I'm high. So I can you watch my pupils when my pupils blow, we've reached the point where I can actually make informed consent. I'm just going to keep going. Mm. like, yeah, this is great. And for something that you're new at, like, I don't know, you know, like, it, mm, I haven't gotten my threshold to be able to tell him oh this is how much I can handle it was a great experience he was great he did a pattern I see what I wanted I got a star and he had another person with him in watching my face and mm. at the moment he goes oh yeah I don't see her I don't see the color of her eyes anymore her pupils have totally mm. blown and he was like are you good and I was like I'm good and he's like okay I'm gonna stop now I'm like okay did he and finish I the low. star he did. He had gotten it done, but I was too, I was like, I was very floaty. It was, he was like, we could go longer, but you told me. And he listened and it was great. And then he helped me up, helped me find somebody like one of my friends. He was like, where do you want to go? They had like a, they have like an aftercare room. So you can like go lay down and cuddle and be in the dark. Cause some people need to recharge after those things. And I'm somebody who just wants to like kind of, ah after and it was wonderful because it's a safe space it's there are other people there that care about your safety from the frame of they want to keep doing this event and if somebody gets hurt here that's their ass so you know that they're checking in and making sure you're okay as much as humanly possible um it can be fun i've gone with friends who like know people who are there and don't no, but then we all go and you can just watch. Like, if you don't want to do things, it's fun. Like the last one I got to go to before the lockdown, I got to watch a wrestling scene in one corner and then a fisting in another, and then somebody was on a St. Andrew's cross and they were being whipped with all these different implements that I hadn't seen. So I was just like, "What's that? What? Ooh, ooh!" And making notes. So when they finished, I was like, "Okay, when you fin- can, I just ask you like what these things are." And the witnessing of I think some people kind of struggle with like how pain can feel like pleasure or, or people really telling the truth. And I think when you're in these spaces and you see the, you might see somebody getting whipped to all high hell on a St. Andrew's cross and the smile on their face when they get taken down, the just beautiful, angelic, like just... It's magical to be and witness that. And I think when you're curious and you're full of fear around some stuff, being able to go, even as as just somebody who's watching is great. And a lot of them set it up in a way like uh, this place had a wristband system. So you could put like that you were newbie, that you were interested in maybe trying to play or you weren't, that you were just a voyeur, like there were different colors. And, And it was just so great. And I love those things for people who are just curious about stepping their toe into it. We're, we're a very beginner store. So we have a lot of like, not the heavy hitting stuff but people who come in who want to explore. So I can talk to you about like how to pick the best vlogger, point you to a class. Like we just had like a, an implement like an impact play class. Yeah. And I had a sensation. I let a sensation play class last night. So little bite-sized classes where you can come in and ask questions, get a feel for things, maybe buy something. And I, and I think to get your partner, people are like, how do I talk my partner? And I'm like, you just have to be honest. And I, and I think coming at them with the information, right. So coming at them with, here's what i would like or what's, what I'm curious about. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what form I want it to take, but I'd like you to go on this journey with me. Mm-hmm. And I know I fucked that up when I did it with my ex. Like I did not approach it correctly. And, and I think that he felt like he had to fill certain shoes in a certain way right away and then gave up because he wasn't doing that thing. But I think if you go on the journey together of like, I would, I'm curious about this, or are you intrigued about doing this or finding what they might be intrigued about? Or like, do you want to go to this thing together? Do you want to go to this class? Do you want to go to this talk that I found in our town? Um, Yeah, it's, there's so many ways to like, Get your partner to be witness to things that you're, you want to explore and enjoy. Yeah. And I think it's just including them in the conversation and not creating your own, don't completely create a world without them, which is a thing that I did is I like kind of, because I didn't know how to talk to him about it and I was very insular and so when I finally did talk to him I had this fully formed universe and he was like what the fuck you've been it feels doing this like like, a, me. Um,
0: like you've been cheating on him or it feels like disingenuous yeah. or there you know like that you just went on without them that you journeyed without them and if you're supposed to be partners through and through feeling that way i'm sure can feel really disempowering and almost like what else are you you know doing without me or like have you moved on from me
1: i mean those questions can come up and that's the biggest thing Mm. people especially if they are like i'm not i don't feel like i'm kinky Mm -hmm. and i think then that opens up the door of negotiating because a big thing people get confused i'm like while it is intimate kink doesn't have to involve actual like penetrative sex or like being sexual or even kissing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like my sex to be very separate from my, cause I'm in two different head spaces, right? Like after a scene, I feel very sensual and I can move into sex, but I don't want them to mix and mingle cause it's two different places for me in my brain. And so like when we were not fully open but like dabbling and I was doing kink, I would do things, I would go do scenes and he would be there. And we w- it wouldn't be sexual, but it was like, I could get that thing I needed. Mm. And so he would come to things and I would go like, I'm gonna go get beaten by this dude over there. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna go get a spanking. And he would watch and, he, and then he would, you know, and then he would be there for the aftercare, the more yeah. intimate pieces. So you can, if your partner's like, I don't think I could ever hit you that way. Or if, like if you're into pain play or impact play and you are like, I think this is really, and your partner's like, I don't think I can, there is a way for you to negotiate how to get those things taken care of, especially here in New York. Like, there are so many events and parties and things where people are all about play and looking for people to bottom mm-hmm. and not necessarily be like a sex partner, but like bottom for a scene or do a thing. So, there's you can make it work, but it's communication. And being on the same page and also reading the books and things with them, like sharing that information, a good yes, no, maybe list, right, is a great way to the best go down the line with each other With that, like, I'm like, get some wine. If you drink, get some wine or don't get high because I think that's harder to do when you're high, but like a little, you want a little bit like you're having a moment, sit on a couch, put on some music and fill it out and then share it with each other and talk about it. And go like, oh, and then maybe pick some, if there's wherever you overlap, pick those things to start pursuing. Yeah, because they are going to be places that you, you may not, like your number one may not be a thing that they're into. But maybe they're a maybe, right? Maybe they're not a no. And I will say, I'm not going to, I will never say you can make somebody's no turn to a yes. But I think through experience sometimes, we figure out like I was never into pee play, and over time and experience and meeting people who were like, we can do it like this. Like you can pee on me, and I'm like, I don't be like on, <laughs> but I do like peeing on people. Okay, so yes. no, but and so I had to re. I'm like, oh, I'm not a no anymore. But that was years of me being in the kink world, playing with people, yeah. meeting different people, and it not realizing like, oh, it doesn't have to look like this. It can look like this oh that may not happen your person may always be a no about hitting you or, or doing a thing but they may be really into like using nipple clamps on you or you know doing some sensation play with that's a little he- heavy handed that might not be maybe just hand spanking there might be a way you can cross and bond yeah and find your and find your way and i think and that is one of the hottest things i think is when you find that way you connect with your partner, it's,
0: you know, you have a thriving business, you work in New York city. If people yeah. love you, want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: I'll give you all the ways. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm dirty Lola there. You can reach out to me, to me there. My website is dirtylola.co If you just want to learn a little bit more about, about me, see what I'm doing. And then my email is Lola at Lola sex at a and you can send things there. So like I do consultations mm-hmm. and that can involve like it's conversations. I, I hate this. sounds so business like business-like to call them a cons- consultation, but it's conversations mm-hmm. and I do them by the half hour, but whatever it is, whether it's to talk about polyamory or kink, give you resources. I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist, but I do provide resources and conversation and tips and helpfulness. If it's just you need somebody to talk to about, what's going on also toy i give toy consults if it's something Mm -hmm. you're looking for we i do virtual shopping with people so if you ever i can go online and we can go through a store together but this way you have me on the line to like what is this oh this is what this product is and we can you know it's like i'm like we're in a shop if you're in new york you can come to shag it's in williamsburg on roebling and north six i'm here usually on sundays but you can come through say hello. And again, I'm here to help. I'm, you know, we're a super helpful shop. And even if I'm not here, everybody here is so knowledgeable and can help you choose what you need and answer any questions you might have. So those are all the ways. And if you want more information, I also work for Spectrum Boutique. They have the Spectrum Journal, and it's an online magazine, and that is just full of articles. We have articles about BDSM products specifically, um, growing up in different oppressive ways like we've people who talk about their are growing up under religion we have a great article or two about that and just exploring new things um and we have a lot of stuff great stuff on tap coming up that i i can't share but i'm really excited about the stuff that people are writing for us right now so
0: oh i can't it's a, wait I definitely will have to check that out just because I think the more that I dive into this world, the more interesting people I meet doing very aligned work just in different ways. And the more that I can share that with our community here at Lady Bits and Leadership, the more resources they have to then say, oh, this is exactly what I needed. And this is the person that can get it to me. You are such a treat, such a gem. So appreciative. I hope you have a fabulous day. Thank you so
1: much. Me too. Thank (laughs) you.
0: Oh, didn't you love that episode? It was so good. I just love the ability to tell women's stories and to help them tell their stories and to give them a platform to tell their stories. I find women so fascinating and their lives are so intriguing to me. If you love Lady Bits and Leadership, do your sister a favor. Go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for us. The more reviews we have, the more likely it is for women to find our empowering community. I would be so indebted to you. I would be so grateful and full of gratitude if you just took two minutes out of your day to do that. And while you're on the internet, why don't you go ahead and sign up for my mailing list? You can find that on ladybitsandleadership.com. Lots of love to you, my friend. I can't wait to see you next time on Lady Bits and Leadership. Thank you.